Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex. In this week's episode, we'll look at the breaking news regarding Augusta National and the 2023 Masters and their qualification criteria. We'll recap the PNC Championship. How did Tiger Woods look? What does it mean for his 2023 outlook? We'll also talk Charlie Woods, the coverage of him. Fair play or out of bounds. We'll also touch on a few other happenings in the world of golf. But first... Callaway has developed their longest irons ever in the Rogue ST line. These irons are breaking ground with a high-strength 450 AI face cup that's never been seen before in the industry. Callaway has continued to push innovation through their patented urethane microspheres and have massively increased their precision tungsten weighting. The Rogue ST lineup is available in four options to suit every type of player, including Rex's sorry game, as well as including the Rogue ST Max for incredible speed, forgiveness, and performance. They're available now. And for more information, visit CallawayGolf.com. Rex, speaking of golf, you were in Arizona, I believe, uh, eschewing a uh, company get-together at Ravenous Pig about 20 minutes uh, from your home uh, instead to play golf with your son. Um, Tell me, uh, how did that experience go? I don't know why I had to catch the stray when when you were doing the Callaway read, which you did very professionally, by the way, outside of the uh, juvenile-like jab in my direction. My game actually... I'm I'm nothing, nothing if not juvenile. If not juvenile. Uh, My game held up uh, okay. First two days, it was a three-day tournament. This is about... Yeah, this seems about right. If I'm going to play well, it's probably going to be for one out of three days, or maybe if I'm lucky, one and a half. If I can get 27 holes out of a 54-hole week. I feel like I, I played decently. Uh, my my son drug me around, and we actually placed in our division. I think we came in second in our division. Wow. Which means, my that's God. Right. Uh, yeah, so I, I ended up winning a putter, which I was very happy with, and I will never see because apparently my son thinks that, well, I did more for this than you did, so I'm going to keep it. How about huh. that? It sounds like, mm-hmm. that sounds like a, a, a ploy and certainly a plea uh, for Ethan to hook you up with a new putter. Is that is that where you're going with here? No, I'm good. I'm happy with my putter. It was just um, giving you an idea of what I'm working with when it comes to a teammate. We're not exactly JT and Jordan here looking forward to our, our next outing. There, there was there was a little, some back and forth. There was some angry dad, why would you hit it over there? And mm. son, you know, why do you close your eyes when you putt? There was a lot of that going on over the course of three days. So I, I don't think the next captain's sending us out together. Didn't stumble into any cacti, uh, I take it, with some of your errant drives? I did not. Uh, I did not. Was, this tournament was played in Arizona, by the way. It was played in Arizona in Scottsdale at, at three really cool golf courses. Uh, the last one was at Greyhawk, which the Raptor course oh, where wow. they have NCAA's, which you're very yep. familiar with. That uh, that golf course is not very friendly. I have to be honest. No, with you, not very zero zero desire to play that golf course, particularly during NCAA championship when it's like 110 heat index. It's it, yeah. It, I bet it can get very very steamy there during NCAA's. The green complexes are very very challenging. I can attest to that. And if you're playing from the tees that that those people play from, it doesn't sound like <laughs> those a very people. Those people. Yes. It doesn't sound like a very enjoyable experience. But uh, the first two days were a lot of fun. It was True North the first day, and then the oh, second wow. day we we played one of the courses at Wikipa, which was the casino where we stayed. In the casino is a is a whole different story. It was it was it was interesting watching the 19 year old in the casino. Uh, how much money did the Hogger family lose combined? Uh, this Hogger didn't lose any. He, here's the deal. If, if Someone who doesn't play blackjack a lot, the, the worst thing that could possibly happen is to win your first four or five hands, right? So if oh, this that is happens, easy. Yeah, yeah. And you're just going to let it ride. And so he was up 80 or $90. And I'm, I was literally 
the, the devil on his shoulder, literally whispering in his ear, why don't we walk away now? Why don't we walk away now? You can, and he didn't. You can, you can actually buy a putter with that. Go on. Yes. He Sweet. didn't. And so we, he ended up losing like 20 or 40 bucks or whatever it is. It was his money. So I was fine with it. But and I, the only dad moment that I had, and I said, look around. Do you think they build buildings like this because people know how to walk away when they're out? Like, yes. This, this, building, this building is not built on the back of shoulders of people who, <laughs> who walked away with 80 or 90 up. No. Uh, no. Done. But I, I, I am sad. I missed the, uh, the team gathering. It sounded like you guys had fun at the Ravenous Pig. Mm-hmm. Mm, Love the Ravenous Pig. board, a bacon-infused nice. um, bourbon, uh, old-fashioned, which was fantastic, Ooh. and then some steak frites. Uh, which were delicious and definitely did not uh, make me overly full as I drove the two hours back to Ponte Vedra. At the back end of this podcast, right, we will recap uh, your visit to Stamford. That was a, it was a cliffhanger on the last edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf, where I was passing the baton uh, to you. We'll, we basically crossed paths uh, in the White Plains Airport, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on Stamford. We will do so at the end of this podcast. Now, in the intro, we did reference some breaking news. We actually paused this podcast for like two minutes uh, so that I could read this this statement from Augusta National Chairman Fred Ridley. And here's the big takeaway, folks. Although Augusta National Golf Club said they are, quote, disappointed in the developments uh, of 2022 with Live Golf and the PGA Tour clearly at a crossroads and fracturing the game at the very top level, here is the big one. Quote, as invitations are sent this week to the 2023 Masters, we will invite those eligible under our current criteria to compete in the 2023 Masters. Now, as we have said in the past, this is Augusta National speaking, we look at every aspect of the tournament each year and any modifications or changes to the invitation criteria for future tournaments will be announced in April, Rex, what's your quick read on that as it comes to Augusta National? You pointed out two things that I found was interesting. And then in the very last paragraph, it, they refer to, a, to golf as, or professional golf has reached a seminal moment, which I, I find interesting because Augusta has largely been very quiet when it comes to this, has it not? There's been, uh, if you look at kind of the other majors, they've sort of been the ones that are, are playing this closer to the best than the others. And you get an idea of how... They want to be a part of this. We, we, there was a lot of talk last week at the PNC about this because there were players, JT was there, Jordan was there, Tiger was there, who were asked repeatedly about, do you think they would change the criteria? And they're under the mindset, and I think you and I are under the same mindset. There's no reason for Augusta or any of the other majors at this point to change their criteria. Certainly not the U.S. Open or the Open Championship. They are, by definition, open. So I don't even know what they could possibly do to try to keep the live players out. Now, the PGA Championship and certainly the Masters is a different scenario. But if you just let this play out, and this is really a world-ranking conversation at this point, Augusta, the RNA, the USGA, the PGA of America, they don't need to make any changes at this point. Just let this play out because I think all but three, by my last count, all but three of the live players have fallen out of the top 15 in the world, which means unless you have some other way to qualify, which for the Masters it would be Phil and Patrick Reed and, and the former Dustin champs. Johnson, the, yeah. yeah, Dustin Johnson, the pre, uh, past champions in the field. You don't have to. And look, if they don't do it, and I think we've had this conversation before, if, if somehow Augusta felt like they did need to make a statement, you and I both know we're going to spend the entire week talking about people who aren't there as opposed to the players who are there in the competition that is taking place. I don't think Augusta National wants any part of that. 
No, I agree with you. Uh, just to fact check you there, there is nine live players currently oh, ranked you. inside the top 50. As it is right now, there's, I mean, it's about a dozen and a half uh, live players who would be eligible through the various qualifi- qualification criteria if it does not change for 2023. And so this is going to feel and look like a very similar Masters tournament. And I think that's good in this statement, which I kind of glance over quote our focus is to honor the tradition of bringing together a preeminent field of golfers this coming april that's what folks we've been saying for months now this is a battle between the pga tour and live golf and the dp world tour this is not the majors fight to participate in as you said let the world ranking run its course let the courts decide what is eventually going to happen between these two warring sides there is a court case involving the dp world tour in february uh, the PJ Tour live case is at least slated uh, right now for January 2024, although that certainly could be delayed. Let the world ranking run its course. It's not going to be a factor. Their imperative, as Augusta National just said, is to put on the best tournament possible. And to do so, yeah, you're going to need a Cameron Smith. You're going to need a Dustin Johnson. You're going to need, even though he's not the best player uh, anymore, a Phil Mickelson in that field to make it feel as though it is a major championship. And so we're definitely in a territory now, Rex, where there are going to be four times a year where the PGA Tour's best players and Live Golf's best players are brought together. To me, it just makes the major championships that much bigger and ratchets up the anticipation that much more. Well, and the idea that Dustin Johnson or Cam Smith, is probably the best two examples that you can come at, wouldn't have been in those fields, certainly at Augusta National, with it being the first major championship. That was going to be a bigger problem than whatever it is having them there on property for that week. Like, I'm, I'm sure that they're not going to be tasked with doing a press conference. So that's not going to be an issue. So all you kind of have to wor- worry about, if you're Augusta, if you do worry about anything, is what they might say to reporters on the side. And you and I both know that's not the easiest thing to do there. So it's a very controlled atmosphere at Augusta they're going to make sure that the narrative does not overwhelm the tournament in this case if you did some sort of changes to the criteria it would have overwhelmed the tournament so no this is this can't be a huge surprise to anyone I wouldn't wouldn't imagine what's your read on any modifications or changes to the invitation criteria for future tournaments will be announced in April to me that's certainly leaving open the door for changes for the 2024 Masters although why would there, in the first three months of 2023, why would there be any sort of reckoning or, or change to this? I'm, I'm not sure. Is it just leaving open the possibility? Or is well, there I think there's something one, that could happen? I, I can think of at least one thing that's going to, I'm sure, get addressed, and that's what happens to the fall events. Right. I mean, once the fall events become whatever it is they're going to become next year, which is essentially just seeding tournaments. Now, the understanding from the tour's point of view, at least the players and the members of the policy board that I talked to, was they were going to maintain, I'm talking about the fall events, maintain that invitation to the Masters, which is very, very important because you're kind of losing a lot of, you're, you're losing the biggest part of what makes the fall even functional by turning them into these seeding series events. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case because if you end up with fields that are demonstrably worse than what you end up with in the FedEx Cup schedule, I'm not quite sure Augusta National goes along with that one. Uh, perhaps that's Fred Ridley. Uh, on the line calling you for any sort of clarification or uh, expanding on these ideas that he released in the statement. So just uh, to recap here, folks, Augusta National made it clear that it does not like and does not support Live Golf. It does not like and does not support what has happened 
at the top level of a league game, but there will be no changes to the criteria for qualification for the 2023 Masters. That means Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson, etc., will all be teeing it up at Augusta National the second week of April. Now, Rex, you've been busy over the past couple of days covering the PNC Championship, where, uh, as has been custom now for the past three years, Tiger Woods and son Charlie, who is now 13 years old, were the headliners. You were out there uh, at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando for three or four days last week. What was your kind of read on the week with Team Woods uh, tying for eighth, which I believe was actually the worst finish ever uh, in this uh, parent-child tournament? Squarely middle of the pack, and it, which led to you know one of those exchanges with our boss uh, where he, he definitely wanted a Tiger column. There was not going to be a conversation about You don't, you don't want a Vijay Singh column? He did not want a VJ Singh column or or an anyone else column. So it, honestly, I was kind of stuck because if Team Tiger is going to finish middle of the pack, and clearly uh, Charlie w- was limited in what he was able to do. There was you know there was an injury, some sort of injury to his left ankle that really limited what he was able to do. I didn't really know where to go because the second part of this conversation is going to be okay. What did we see from Tiger over thirty six holes? My answer to that is absolutely nothing. What? Like, yes. I mean, yes, he hit it by JT a couple of times, and he seemed to have his pop back, and he hit some decent, decent iron shots. You cannot. You base- didn't see anything. You didn't see anything from Tiger. We have we have not seen him nope. play outside of twelve holes at the match, when which he was clearly the worst player, with Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth, clearly the worst player at Pelican Golf Club about ten days ago. Other than that, we hadn't seen him since I mean- the Open Championship in mid mid July. This is like watching Jalen Hurts in a flag football game tomorrow and deciding if he's going to be able to play on Sunday for, for the Philadelphia he's Eagles. Got a, like, he's got a separated shoulder. Jalen Hurts is not playing in flag football or otherwise. But to the point, this is the equivalent would be waiting two weeks and letting him play in a flag football game and then decide, okay, we're going to roll him out against whoever it is they're going to play in two weeks because it, it, it's 36 holes, you're playing a scramble, and you're in a golf cart. Like, there is nothing that resembles PGA Tour golf it's like in this a particular Steph, It's event. like a Steph Curry shoot-around, essentially. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I would even say a Steph Curry shoot around is probably a little bit more intense simply although because. Although Steph, Steph Curry's got a bum shoulder, too. I'm not sure that's an apt analogy. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if we can find one if the way that all the stars are falling out. <laughs> no. It, and look, the way he was swinging, I, I did think it was interesting when I, we, we talked to Justin Thomas, who he was paired with on Sunday because of some sort of magical committee ruling. Go figure. But he said he could see it on the range. That when Tiger was warming up, that everything was moving well, and he goes, and you saw it, you know, when he was out on the golf course and he was hitting shots. Yeah, there were plenty of shots where you thought, yes, like that looks good. Like I'd love to see that next April at Augusta National or whatever the case may be. He's in a golf cart. It's a scramble. It's a resort, wide open golf course. Like there's nothing. Again, I don't even flag football is a good enough analogy to playing Sundays in the NFL in this case. It's you rolling around in the backyard with Cam and then deciding, you know what? I'm going to suit it up for the Colts next week. I'm heading out for the Jaguars. I think me they and— They could probably use uh, me. With Jonathan Taylor done for the year, they could probably use me. Actually, I should have done the Jaguars because of the, Trevor Lawrence it seems to be uh, awakening just when you moved. It seems to me you're going to be a, yes. a new fan. But I, I just don't think there's—and I was amazed. That, and again, this is Twitter. You took, no, everyone, you took nothing from his performance. Absolutely no. nothing. Wow. Everyone was so breathless watching him hit the ball and oh, he's out driving JT and look how majestic he looks. And I, There's just no equivalent. Wasn't that your column? Wasn't that your column that how, uh, how much pop Tiger has? Uh, no, that was actually the column uh, earlier in the week where I kind of talked about just sort of the drive. And 
wherever it is he goes from here, and he's been pretty clear about, look, there's going to be the four majors, maybe one or two others. I think that's probably a little optimistic given what we've seen. The only thing you can do here is base uh, whatever version of Tiger this is since that car crash in early 2021 is based on his record. And he is what his record says he is. He has a couple starts at the PNC, and he's got nine, He's got exactly nine official rounds, and none of them are particularly impressive. So th- I just don't see anything in his body of work up to this he point. Made the cut. I'm not writing him off. He made the cut in the first two majors of the year. The Masters, of course, is a, is a limited field, but the conditions were not exactly easy. The PGA Championship has the strongest field in major championship golf. Are you completely discrediting what Tiger was able to do with yeah. a body that 14 months earlier – was uh, apparently at risk of amputation and losing his right leg. No, I'm actually going the other way. I'm giving him a monsoon of credit just to be able to do what he did this year. I think we can all agree. Uh, I'll, I'll just stick with the Masters. What he was able to accomplish there based on what we, the little bit we know. I mean, he has mentioned it in his morbid way a couple of times that he was lucky to, to have all four of his limbs when he, when he left the hospital he keeps, after that. He keeps country. saying, like, those close to me so know, know exactly what I've been through. Why don't, why don't you let us all know? Like, we would have a better appreciation, a better understanding. Um, perhaps we'd be a little bit more realistic with our expectations if he just let us in just a little bit of, of what he'd actually endured. Instead, you were at the Hero World Challenge when he said cryptically uh, during his pre-tournament press conference that, yeah, I had a, I had a couple uh, unplanned surgeries. Plural. Surgeries. Plural. He doesn't like using surgeries. He says procedures. Procedures, plural. Two. Two, two or more in, in 2022 without giving an exact timeline or what that dealt with. If he wants us to understand, if he wants us to appreciate, if he wants us to place realistic expectations on a guy who's soon to be 47, it, it starts with, with being even more open about what he's actually dealing with and has dealt with in the past. I, would, I totally agree with that. And, and look, I, I see... The idea being here, and I am going to cut to the chase. My column on Sunday, and I ended up just kind of falling back on the idea. It was just a, it was just a VJ Singh column. Uh, it was not. It was a Tiger column, and I said that as uncertain as his future is, again, four majors, two events a year, I think we can both agree that <laughs> like, that seems like a lot for you. You may want to dial back those <laughs> nah. expectations. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I would say that the only certainty, at least from a competitive point of view, going forward, that we're going to see Tiger Woods put a peg in the ground and actually hit shots that matter on whatever level, even at a silly season event, it's going to be the PNC. That's the only one. Like, I asked him afterwards, like, you know, what is it about this event? And you and I have covered Tiger long enough. I had to go back and look at the transcript to make sure I wasn't dreaming this. He gave me three full paragraphs of a good answer, of a passionate answer. He was quiet. He was looking down. He was, he was thinking about what this does mean to him. Uh, out of everything that we would like to see him do, and look, I, you, kind of, you point to the idea being that he'll go to the Champions Dinner, and he has set his sights on playing one more open at St. Andrews. Again, that's eight, nine years away. Not I'm not quite it. sure how, nope. how that he's going to be able to pull that off. But to push everything out the window, because even last month, I mean, earlier this month, he didn't play the Hero World Challenge, which is a, a silly season event. On his golf course, on a flat golf course, if he really wanted to, I'm sure he could petition and get a golf cart, and it benefits his foundation. And even that wasn't good enough to be like, mm, I can play. No, I'm, I'm good. My, my foot hurts. The planner's acting up. I'm not going to do it. But what I'm not going to miss is this one. And to watch him and Charlie limp around and get through those 36 holes and see what it meant to him, I, I don't even know if it was a hot take. It's going forward. I would say the only guaranteed place we're ever going to see Tiger play year in and year out, at least for the next decade, is the PNC. Uh, I could see him dragging himself to Augusta National 
uh, each and every April, just hoping to catch lightning in a bottle as he did in 2019. I guess after watching the PNC, and I mean, and you saw it up close and personal, so I would, I would certainly defer to you, but just watching on television, I came away a little bit more encouraged, and I would think overall, and I wrote this for uh, a Monday Scramble column, the year-end edition, that's currently up on golfchannel.com. I think anyone who watched Tiger hit shots at the Masters, hit shots at the, at the PGA Championship, hit shots at the PNC, even though he was just hopping out of a cart and doing his thing, clearly knows that he is still capable of extraordinary golf. Like, he can still perform at a very high level, even on the brink of turning 47, even after all the mileage that he has accrued on his body. But it is becoming glaringly obvious, and he has even alluded to uh, just a couple of weeks ago at the Hero Bowl Challenge, that his, his reconfigured leg just doesn't have that much more to give. And that the challenge for him isn't pulling off the shots. It's just the most basic tenant of competitive tournament golf, which is walking all 72 holes. And so now as we look ahead to 2023, it's four months and change until the Masters begins. Obviously, he would love to play in the Genesis, a PGA Tour event that benefits his foundation. He'd love to play in the Players' Championship just a couple hours from his Jupiter home, the flagship event of the PGA Tour now that he's certainly staked his legacy in this tour battle. But 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 Tiger's Rex, Tiger has this unique challenge where he needs to properly prepare to take on the best players because he's only going to be competing against the best fields, and he clearly just wants to win one. But he can't push himself so hard and go so far that he does what happened here in December, which is develop plantar fasciitis and is unable to play in even a 20-man exhibition and needs to require a cart at the PNC Championship. There's a breaking point that his body is going to reach. And the trick for Tiger over these next four months, something he's clearly going to have to figure out with his doctors and his trainers and his entire team with a chicken wire and duct tape, is, is, is preparing to tackle these great players against the strongest fields while not going too far. I don't know if he's found that magic formula. Clearly he hasn't because he wasn't even been able to come back for the hero. But that's a really tricky dance uh, to do over the next couple of months. Talked to a member of his uh, of his team on Sunday as he was walking around the Ritz Carlton, and this wasn't even joked, but it came out as a joke because I thought it was funny. He goes, "I go, how how is everything? Like just trying to get a general idea." And he goes, "How is all this? All that?" And he goes, "I have run out of tape. Like I, I don't even have tape anymore. Like I can't tape both of them up. I can't get both of them on the on the table. I can't work on them fast enough." So you get an idea of what this means. I, I just think it it was interesting. And look, I don't want to dismiss what he's either done up to this point or what he's capable of doing in the future. I'm not doing that. I, I think that's a, that's a dangerous road to go down. And I've, I've been in the Tiger Woods doubting business before. I, I'm not foolish enough to do that again. I just haven't seen anything in the body of work the last two and a half years. Hello, Tito, who could, would possibly convince me that Padraig Harrington is right, who he said last week that he thinks Tiger Woods not only that was going to win That was quite a contrast because Colin Montgomery a couple of days earlier was like, Oh, Tiger should have should be done. Have said, he should have said goodbye at St. Andrews. It was a yeah. mistake to keep playing. He's got nothing left. And then a couple of days later, Padraig Carrington says, "Oh yeah, I think he could still win a major." I think it's I think it. the truth I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's a testament to the toxicity of ang- anger. I think is the line from uh, mm-hmm. from Bullet Train. I, I love that line because one of those two people that we're talking about, Montgomery, is uh, is not the rosiest of fellas. While the other one, Harrington, always seems to have the pint half full. So I think that probably says all you need to know. I, I just. 
going forward, I mean, yes, he's going to find a way to get his body ready for Augusta, and I would imagine it's ready enough to do what he was able to do this year, which would be some sort of magical Thursday and Friday just to get him to the weekend. What I saw walking up those stairs, though, on Friday afternoon after he'd grinded his way to the weekend did not leave me with the idea that he is a year and a half removed from that car crash and those multiple surgeries and even more procedures apparently in the mix, and it's still not that much better. I mean, granted, he has both legs, and I don't want to get morbid like he seems to want to do, which is great. But I just don't know. You're right. He can't do the simplest of things, which is walk from point A to point B. And I haven't seen that get any better in two years. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm clearly not a doctor. I'm not sure how much more. You don't want to play one on a podcast? No, I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just not sure how much more improvement he can realize in that lower right leg. He certainly alluded to uh, the potential of not having that limb uh, in the future, which I think speaks to the, the dire nature of the crash and the injuries that he sustained, it, it's it's going to take it's going to take a miracle, uh, I think, for him to win. Everything needs to fall in line. He needs to somehow have four great days of tournament competition. He needs to somehow be able to grit through the pain that he is going to experience uh, walking around a golf course for seventy-two holes. And it's going to take uh, the strongest fields in golf somehow faltering uh, for Tiger Woods uh, to get back in the winner's circle. I you you got your sausage finger up? Please go ahead. And I, I before we you seem thank like God, thank to, God, this is thank God, this is a visual medium now because now we can yeah, actually see the sausage. You can actually see the sausage finger show up in, in front of the camera. Uh, it seemed like you were about to move on. I wanted to make sure that I got this in. Of all the other things, though, the way we're covering and the way the public is reacting to Charlie is gross. I'm going to say it. Okay, Yuck. that's exactly where we're going because I was actually going to say that 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 Tiger might not have actually been the woods who was most ailing during. The PNC Championship. Tiger says it was gross spurts that were causing uh, Charlie to walk around uh, like his leg was mangled. Uh, Nota Begay said on the telecast that he rolled his ankle, uh, I believe, before the Pro-Am round. What What was the deal? Because, I mean, he clearly mimicked all of Tiger's, like, post-shot injury reactions. Like, he was, you know... He, almost falling over, it was the ow, ow, ow. After he he hits one, it's it's limping back to the cart. Like he had he had memorized all of Tiger's famous injury moves. What was actually going on with with Charlie's injury? It was very bizarre. Uh, we, I I really wanted to get Todd Lewis on this week because he ran around last week. And look, we're both in, kind of in the news business, and so we get so, sort of. of caught kind of in the news business. Uh, we get caught in those tunnels where you're just digging into the minutia and things that are probably interesting to you or probably not interesting to anyone else. But he's digging around the first three days that, that he's there, trying to figure out exactly what's wrong with Charlie. And and he talked to Tiger, and Tiger told him it was gross spurts. Gross and then he spurts. Talked, and gross then Noda, spurts. Noda said he twisted his ankle walking, uh, I think, onto the range. I, I believe it was on Friday, right before the Pro-Am. Uh, someone else who was on property said they heard Charlie talking and that he twisted it playing basketball. Wh- whatever the case may be, I, I don't care. Like, I have spent two-plus decades – covering his father and in, in all manner of injuries and limps and, and what's wrong here and trying to find out exactly, as you pointed out earlier in the podcast, he's not the most open fella when it comes to his health history. To I his imagine. own, and, cer- and certainly not with his sons. <laughs> certainly not with a 13-year-old child. Again, it was it was gross. It's yuck. And, and look, I'm, I'm glad these two get to enjoy this experience. I'm glad all of the, you know, I think Annika and her son being on the golf course last weekend was really, really cool to watch because I, my guess is her son doesn't see that side of her or doesn't remember that side of her because he was so young and she retired at a relatively young age. 
but I just, man, I, I cannot bring myself to covering Charlie Woods like I cover Tiger Woods. I, I, I can't and I won't. I don't, I'm, I'm I don't think anyone's I don't think anyone's covering Charlie Woods like he's like he's Tiger Todd, Woods. There's certainly Todd Try. There's certainly an interest and a curiosity. I must say I feel bad for the kid that he clearly was gearing up for this all year long. He knows how special it is to his dad and for him to sustain some sort of injury. We don't know whether it was. Maybe it was just gross spurts, as Tiger Woods said that it was. To have that happen on the eve of the tournament uh, and, and kind of hinder him uh, during the competition was certainly disappointing. This Look, I think it's night and day difference from what we saw Charlie when he debuted in this tournament in 2020 and what he is now. He uh, has clearly grown significantly over the past couple of game, past couple of years, his game is very sharp. He's you know he's hitting 160 ball speed uh, with a driver, which is nothing to scoff at. It looks like he hits it 275, 280, um, which you have never done in your life, and are numbers with which you could only dream about. Oh, sorry, did I say that out loud? And he's and he clearly has um, some some niftiness and some craftiness and some artistry to his game, which I guess as Tiger Woods' son, you would expect. You, but you, it it, take, it 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 suggests, at least hearing you, that you didn't like the coverage of Charlie Woods. Did you think it was too exhaustive? Did you think uh, it was too predictive? Did you think it was too slobbering? What's what's your main beef with it? Uh, no, I think it's too intrusive for a thirteen-year-old. And look, the argument being is that Tiger Woods decided to bring his son, eleven-year-old, yes. the eleven-year-old son, when he was eleven. Yes, and and so maybe this is on Tiger, and I guess there is something to that. I just, from a news perspective, and again, you're talking to a, a guy. I mean, I've been to the bottom of the barrel when it comes to trying to report on news when it, about Tiger Woods. I mean, you name it, and, and I've been there. I've stood in front of a hospital in L.A., and I've stood in front of the Pearly Gates at Isleworth, and I've stood in front of a, a police station in Jupiter. I have been in all of the gutters when it comes to trying to t- cover Tiger Woods throughout the, his career. However... I'm just not comfortable. And and look, this was the first time Tiger actually let Charlie come up on the podium and they had the press conference and Does, there were some doesn't doesn't moments. that doesn't that suggest to you that Tiger Woods one of the most guarded and secretive uh athletes in history him putting Charlie Woods on the podium suggests to you that, that Charlie might be ready to handle this that Tiger yeah. is ready to expose him to this sort of scrutiny? Oh, I think so. And I think it was a testament to not just Tiger is comfortable in this setting now, because I don't know the difference between the 11-year-old Charlie and the 13-year-old Charlie, but he's just more comfortable in that setting. And then the other half was, I think Tiger actually, and this kind of goes back to what I said about what this event means to him, I think Tiger wanted the rest of the world to actually hear how Charlie talks. Like, there was a moment on Sunday where someone asked Charlie about, you know, what was your best part of the week? And, and Charlie, in his, in, a, in his best Tiger, I can imagine, impersonation, he goes, I mean, I was pretty surprised. My dad played well. I, I just didn't expect it. You know, I just wasn't expecting him to play well. And Tiger never looked up. His eyes are closed. He has a smirk on his face. He's nodding his head like, yep, I knew this was coming. And I think maybe there was a part of him that wanted the world to see, like, this is what happens. Like, you guys are always asking me what, what it's like behind the curtain, you know, how the sausages gets made, and this is it. Like, he just he's nonstop. He's just like me. We're giving it to each other. We certainly saw it with the Thomases. I, I think that's a really, really cool part. Again, I'm just kind of grossed out when it comes to none of the other kids get that, that kind of scrutiny, and none of the other kids are Charlie Woods. I, I ter- certainly understand that. But, man, it's just yuck. I, I did not uh, like some of it. It's it's a little bit cringy. There was a lot of folks on social media who are taking things too far, as they tend to do on social media. I think the the fact of the matter is it's only going to get worse. He's 13. What's that, like a seventh grader? Like, 
college recruitment is going to is going to begin here in a couple of years. It's clearly it's 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 obvious that even though Charlie Woods is not a world beater at his age, he has tons of game. He clearly has a passion, a love, appreciation of the game. I don't see that waning anytime soon. Tiger Woods seems, uh, at least from the outside, to be hands off and kind of letting Charlie do what he wants to do with the game. But I mean, every single college coach in the country is going to be after him. He's going to attempt to qualify for U.S. junior amateur tournaments. Those are broadcast on television. The scrutiny is only going to get up. I actually thought the coverage of Charlie was better this time around than it was the previous two years, which were really nauseating and too, I think it was too forecasting. Like, just just let him be Tiger Woods' son. Let him enjoy it. Like, why do we have to forecast can this kid be the next Tiger Woods? Let's just enjoy the parent-child event for what it is. But the era of of having him under an intense spotlight in the media uh, is certainly coming, uh, particularly when uh, college recruitment uh, becomes right around the corner. Now, Rex, another story uh, that broke during the PNC Championship Week, it actually happened uh, about a month and a half earlier, was Liv Chief Operating Officer Atul Kosla resigning from his post. To me, at least, this seems like a significant move with so much still to be determined on the live on the live side from a domestic TV deal, corporate sponsorship standpoint, which have not yet materialized. What's your read on this situation with Otto Kosla uh, being the second executive with live uh, to depart either during or after the inaugural season? Uh, concern is my first because by all accounts, and again, we don't know a lot of what goes on behind the scenes at live golf, but by all accounts, he was sort of the voice of reason. That, that in these meetings where we can only assume that Greg Norman is not being the voice of reason, that he, he, <laughs> that he was the one that would step up and at least try to keep things I mean, he's high, highly respected, came from the Tampa Bay Bucks organization. He left a, like, a very good job guy, in the, the NFL. Guy, yeah, the guy, the guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And so uh, my guess would be there is some scrutiny. And it, I, I'm still kind of developing this story as I sit and talk about how the stories I don't want to report on. But there was a meeting two weeks ago in South Florida between a lot of the live executives and some of the players were there and some of the agents of players. And there are some things I was told that didn't go well in this meeting, that it seems to me that you don't have this sort of limitless amount of money anymore, that they are starting to look at sort of the bottom line where everything was yes for the first year. And if you wanted the fancy private jet, yes. If you wanted the extra hotel rooms, yes. Now it's it's not so much. And you're also getting to a point where I think the players who signed on are starting to look at some of the fine print and some of the contracts and that they don't particularly like that. Look, tour pros do not read contracts. They, they probably don't read much at all from my understanding of them. That's why they have agents. But in this particular case, and I kind of said this to another player who was telling me about this meeting was this is sort of a life changing contract. I mean, I'm not telling you you sold your soul but this is about as close to selling your soul as you can get so maybe you should have read the small print on you this have, one i don't know you have altered your com- your competitive futures by signing yeah. with live golf that is that much is indisputable so like my con- i have a bigger concern over what i hear heard from that meeting than i do here because look i think it's probably going to be a lot of executives in and out at this point it is a startup and i don't know I've never been a part of a startup, but my guess is this is sort of the status quo that you have some, some executives come and you have some executives go. It goes to the idea that the one executive that everyone needs to watch and is sort of everything is sort of hanging in the balance is Greg, and it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. I think that's the bigger news. Uh, which is surprising to me since uh, 
that's been rumored about for months. It's clear that Roy McIlroy, Tiger Woods, John Rahm, uh, and the like all want to see him go if there's any sort of path forward. And there really hasn't been – the New York Times reported this last week uh, that Kosla uh, resigned following – uh, the season-ending tour championship. There wasn't any details over why. It didn't say whether there was like a, a power struggle at the top with with Greg Norman. It didn't. It, it didn't state whether Kosla was uncertain or unrealistic or um, kind of didn't see a path forward to profitability or viability. I, I would say at the end of 2022, and, and we certainly recap this uh, on our newsmakers. Podcast, like I think, I think Live exceeded most anyone's expectations for 2022. But Live officials have also been adamant that this was just a beta test. This was just kind of a soft launch, and that 2023 with the full league format, 405 million dollars on offer, uh, the 14 tournament schedule, uh, the actual 48 man field, which is not going to be changing. Like that is the real test, and so I think December 20th, 2023. We're going to have clearly a much better idea of Live Golf's path to viability. Can they finally get a domestic TV deal? Because the streaming numbers on YouTube, we're not going to cut it. Will they actually get some corporate sponsorships and buying in for what many critics are viewing this merely as a Saudi sports washing effort? Those those answers. Will they will they actually get world ranking points? Uh, you would think that question would be answered over the next fifty two weeks as well. So when it comes to live golf, uh, so much is to be determined. Now, Rex, you were back home in Florida. It has been an adventurous month, I would say, whether it was your 400 person uh, Thanksgiving in New Orleans, then a trip to the Bahamas, and then you spent, uh, I believe, about 48 hours in Stanford. So I'm not sure you how much sightseeing you were able to do, but you did spell me uh, on the Golf Today desk with Damon Hack. I I I have already, already made um, my impressions known about Stanford, the Embassy Sports Building, which I thought was fantastic. It was like our old Golf Channel building on steroids. But I'm curious, uh, with the 48 hours you were able to spend there uh, at a time when the office was just about to shut down for the holidays, what was your takeaway? Uh, very cool building. No, I think you're absolutely right. Beautiful. I, I will mean, say- it's like phenomenal. It's, it's funny because – so you did the podcast that week from your green room. And they like they set up a right. kind of a second green room with your name on the on the door the whole nine yards. I didn't even use my green room. I used Johnson Wagner's green room because like his was right next to mine, and he was the, the player stash. analyst. Uh, fantastic stash. But at some point, like he came in the second day, like you have your own. And and my response to him was consider this rookie hazy. Like I had to put up with you <laughs> for a decade on the PGA tour. So this is the least you can do. I'm just going to continue. It's like I just wanted to go in and mark my territory. I would go in and write one blog or look up one stat and then walk out. Like this will show you. How about you, did, that? You, didn't, uh, you didn't. You didn't see. You didn't see my makeshift uh, studio in there with the garbage can turned over, uh, the, the light not. which which flicks off after 15 minutes apparently. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. No, no, we we were all uh, free and clear now. I don't understand. You were in White Plains Airport for the better part of seven hours. No, I was in there for about three hours. Oh, uh, I did. Yeah, it was a quick. I mean, it was a quick rental car drop off. I didn't quite realize. I mean, I got in at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and I didn't quite realize just how small that airport is. Folks, yeah. it is essentially a bus stop. Like, there is, like, two or three gates, and everyone just sits in this, like, section on benches. And then when your, gate, when your, 
your flight's about to take off. Everyone just stands up and shuffles over to your gate, and then you then you fly out. Like I will I will never make the mistake of getting there any sooner than or any earlier than like fifteen minutes before my scheduled departure because it's just well, just unnecessary. And this speaks to my problems, uh, but I got there about two hours before my flight, thinking that, oh, plenty of time, drop the car off, it's right there next door. I'll just walk into that terminal and, and get a beer. You know, it's been a long couple of days. Nice little IPA, right? There is no bar none. No, none. in the gate none. area. I had to walk back out of TSA, and, and if you notice, you could walk upstairs and there was a bar up there. But I was like, this is, uh, this is surreal. Yeah, never, ever making that mistake again. I'm sure you and I will be called from the bullpen when literally everyone else is either on vacation, sick, indifferent. Uh, it was the last. No yeah. one. Yeah, no one calls on the GolfChannel.com writers quite like the TV folks uh, the second week of December, right when the studio is about to shut down. Now, you and I are recording this podcast five days, Rex, before Christmas. Two, two questions. One, what are you asking Santa for? And second, what are you cooking for Christmas Eve or Christmas dinner? I don't know what uh, I'm, I'm going to get from I, – I, here's the mistake. I do know what I'm getting from Santa, and I didn't realize I wanted it until like Santa explained to me that th- these are all the cool things you can do. So I think I'm getting a, a Blackstone Grill. Oh, well, excellent. Yep. Yes. yes. That's, what so I got, I, that's what I got for Christmas last year. Not from Santa, but from my lovely wife. Uh, very nice. Uh, well, Santa is my lovely wife, so that that's uh, that's what wow. I got going on. What, just, what are you getting? Just crushing the dreams of everyone listening. And what and what are you cooking? What are you cooking for either Christmas Eve or Christmas? You had you had the four per you had the four hundred person Thanksgiving, so I can only imagine how immaculate uh, your uh, Christmas spread's going to be. Uh, not nearly that many people. We uh, we stay home and we go over to the in laws' house, and it's usually a pretty small affair. Uh, we have five in our family. Sister in law has five, so maybe fifteen. So much much different Christmas Day deal. Uh, I did get. Uh, it's still pretty big. I did get ribs. I wanted to smoke some ribs the next couple. Christmas of days. ribs. No, I didn't say Christmas. That's just something I'm working on the next couple of days. Although Christmas that, Eve or Christmas idea. dinner. For Christmas. Ribs, maybe Christmas Eve. I could do that for Christmas. Christmas Eve, Eve Christmas Eve ribs. Right before we I'm go, not, and I'm not even sure. Like Myron Mixon does that uh, on Christmas Eve. Just before we go to, to church for 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 church. No? <laughs> just, that's, picking, that's... just picking, uh, picking some ribs out of your teeth. Uh, before, uh, before no, but we have a we have a Florida State game. Florida State's playing a bowl game here in in Orlando that I'm taking uh, two of my sons to. So there'll be some tailgating before. Oh, that Christmas! As well. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that certainly sounds uh, good. I don't know what I'm getting for Christmas. I'm not a huge surprise fan. Um, I like to spell out exactly what I'd like. Um, uh, I am getting an outdoor kitchen, uh, which is the biggest and best Christmas gift of all. I've also quite expensive. Been, I've also been stockpiling. Any sort of spare cash I could find. Uh, did a master's journal story. Sold some other driver. Uh, we're trying to sell some <laughs> furniture in the backyard. I'm scraping together as much cash as I possibly can uh, to get a new uh, Shirley 24 by 36 uh, offset patio smoker. I'll certainly, well, I'm not sure if it'll come by the time the Players' Championship rolls around, uh, but I'm optimistic that it will. The outdoor kitchen should be done. In the next Ooh. month or so, in which you're being, case you and you're I, you're being optimistic. I don't know if it's going to be ready by the players. If it is, I'm happy for you, but I don't know. Oh, the outdoor you no, know, the outdoor kitchen definitely will be done by the players. Mm-hmm. It's a question of whether I'll be able to get the uh, smoker in time for the players. I want you to see that, but we will be we will be start uh, recording the podcast from out there. When it comes to uh, Christmas related meals, uh, my mother in law uh, does a fabulous. 
beef tenderloin. If you've never had mm. one before, is it is an extremely expensive cut of meat. I'm a little bit afraid uh, to do it because the worst thing you can do to beef ten- tenderloin is overcook it. And though, even though I have hundreds, literally hundreds of dollars worth of uh, probes and other meat thermometers, uh, I'm still a little bit probes. scared of cooking that myself. I did buy a uh, standing prime rib uh, to cook after the holidays because they were on super sale. Uh, shout out local Publix. I also bought a Christmas ham, uh, which I will do a twice smoked ham sometime in the next couple of days. So there'll be plenty of happenings uh, at the Labner household, even though the outdoor kitchen is not yet finished. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Cadillac Golf. We appreciate you. We love you. Happy holidays to everybody. We will talk to you next week with our year in review, our personal favorites. We'll hand out some awards. And that will do. That'll be a wrap, Rex. That'll be a wrap on twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, hard to see it because uh-huh. then, of course, we'll be back the next week with the Capitol preview. And we'll forget everything that we just said in our year in review. But happy holidays to you guys. Have a great Christmas. We'll talk to you next week. Get at me, Ethan. <laughs>